Throughout the month of January, we're going to be looking at a new series called Shaped by the Word. It's really looking at the impact that the Bible can have on our lives and really also talking about why we should even trust this book. You know, our lives are all shaped, every one of us, our lives are, are shaped uh, by something or someone. It's usually a combination of those things. And things that have happened to us and the people around us have, have shaped us into the person that we are now. For example, my life was shaped by my father, who at a young age told me that drinking Coke is a sin. Dad worked for Pepsi, and in my entire life growing up, he never once, not even once, he never brought a Pepsi, I mean a, a Coke, into our house. And I can promise you, we will never, ever bring a Coke into our house either. You see, when we go to the grocery store, we don't say, well, what's on sale? Uh, some of you say, well, preach, I, I like Coke, I, like, I just buy what's on sale. Why? And that makes no sense. No, we will, no, sir, we will never, ever buy Coke because it's cheaper than Pepsi. We will never... We'll drink water instead of doing that, all right? Now, if you work for Coke, or if you like Coke, that's fine. You do your thing and enjoy it. You live in sin if you want to. I get that. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. That wasn't in my notes. <laughs> my, my point is simply this. I'm going to get Pepsi when I go to the store. Watch this, because my life literally was shaped by my father. Now some of you have had similar experiences in other areas. For example, you only drive a Ford because of what your daddy told you. Or you only drive a Chevrolet because of what your grandfather drove. Your, your life has been shaped by that. You can be shaped by a lot of different things. It might be a book that you read that was so moving, so informative, so helpful that that book helped shape your life. You, your life may be shaped by a painful experience. It was so devastating. You crumbled and it shaped your life. Maybe you were shaped by the college you went to and the professor, one particular professor that just kind of poured into your life and it really shaped who you are today. It shaped the vocation that you're in today. Somebody, because of the way that they lived their life and the way that they did their vocation, it shaped the vocation you're in today. Here's the thing. We're, we're not usually shaped by just one person. We're not usually shaped by just one event or one thing. No, most of the time, there's a combination of things, and it doesn't just happen when we're young, but, but we're shaped by things all through our lives. Lots of different things can shape our lives. So this month, here's what I want to show you. This month, I want to show you why the Bible should be the primary thing that shapes your life. Now, you'll have a lot of other people, a lot of other things that shape who you are and how you live your life, but what's the primary influencer in your life? What's the primary thing that shapes who you are and how you live your life? As a Christian, watch this, this Bible should be the primary thing that shapes your life. Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus, uh, that, that tells a story of where Jesus talked about the effect that the Bible can have on your life. And I want you to open God's Word to Luke chapter 11. Let me show you that, that story. Luke chapter 11. <clears throat> 
Now, let me give you the context while you're turning to Luke chapter 11. In verse 14, Jesus drove out a demon from a man who was mute. Verse 14, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute, and when the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. Though the crowd was amazed, not everybody was happy about what they saw. Look at verse 15 and 16. But some of them said, some of the people in the crowd said, By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. In other words, here's what some of the people were saying. And they really believed this. They, they weren't just, they weren't criticizing Jesus. They really believed this. They said, he must be Beelzebub. He must be the prince of demons. Here's their line of reasoning. If he's powerful enough to cast out a demon, he must be the prince of demons. Kind of makes sense, right? That, in, in just using regular logic, if, if you're powerful enough to push out, to drive out a demon, to command a demon out of somebody's life, their reasoning was, then you must be Beelzebub. You must be the prince of demons because you've got control over that demon. Of course, that was not the case, but that was the reasoning. And then others had a different approach. Look at verse 16. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. If you are who you really say you are, basically is what they were saying, if you really do have this power, we need a sign from heaven. So in verse 17 through 26, we don't have time to read it, Jesus taught that he's able to do what, he's, what he did, that is driving out a demon, that he's able to do that, not because he's Beelzebub, but because he's stronger, not just stronger than the demons, he's stronger than the devil. Anybody want to put an amen there? Is Jesus stronger than the devil? And so he teaches that in verse 17 through 26, that hey, the way that I'm able to do this, the reason I'm able to do this is because I have more power than the devil does. In fact, he emphasizes that in verse 20. I love the way he emphasizes this. But if I drive out demons by what? He said, come on. I can drive out demons by my little pinky. This is not a big thing. This is how much power I have over the demons. I can drive out demons by the finger of God. Now, there was a lady in the crowd who saw all of this and heard all of this, and this lady in the crowd was overcome with excitement and emotion, and she basically interrupted Jesus as he's teaching about all of this. She basically speaks up in the middle of his, of his message. And here's what she says, verse 27. Verse 27, she said, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Kind of, kind of, I, I haven't really heard that in a sermon before. You know, in the middle of the sermon, somebody cries out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. You know what she was saying? She's basically saying this. It would be wonderful to have a son like him. She probably went home to her son and said, why can't you be like Jesus? All the mothers were probably saying, there's this young man. I, I, oh, if he could just be my son-in-law. Of course, that wasn't going to happen. But So she cried this out with excitement. Blessed is the lady who gave you birth. And Jesus used that. Hey, what do, you, what do you say to that? Do you say, thank you, ma'am, you're right. She was a wonderful woman. I, what do you, how do you answer that? Well, he gave an answer that was kind of surprising. 
His answer is in, is in verse 28. Here's how he replied. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Jesus used that moment to show the woman that the greater blessing is not being physically related to him. The greater blessing is not having him as a son or son-in-law. Jesus used that moment to say, no, ma'am, there's something greater than being physically related to me. There's a greater blessing, and the greater blessing is this. It comes from responding to God's Word, which is not what she expected to hear at all. Look at it again in verse 28. I want you to read it, and I want you to note a word there. Verse 28, blessed, blessed, happy are those who hear the Word of God and what, church? Thank you. I want you to look at that word obey for a moment. Let's camp out there for a moment. That word obey is talking about our response to the Bible. Our response to what God says. Hear the word of God and obey it. Jesus said this is the pathway to blessing. This is the pathway to a better life. This is the way you experience something that only God can give you. To hear the Word of God and obey it. Now, can I ask you a personal question? When was the last time you actually did that? I don't want you to answer that out loud, but I want you to think about it. When was the last time you actually did that? Can you point to a time recently that you stopped something in obedience to the Word of God? Can you point to a time recently when you started doing something because of what you read in the Word of God? When was the last time that you changed something in your schedule, you changed something in your life because of what you heard or saw in the Word of God? You see, many times our response to the Bible is this. It's not hear and obey. Do you see it in verse 28? Blessed are those who hear the Word of God and obey. Jesus said this is the formula for blessing, hear and obey. But many times, our response to the Word of God is not hear and obey. Our response to the Word of God is hear and ignore. Right? Yeah, I hear what you're saying, preacher. But I'm going to walk out that door and ignore it this week. I hear what you're saying, Sunday school teacher. Not a bad lesson this week. But I'm really not going to do anything with it. Or even in your own personal Bible study. You're reading the Bible, you're studying the Bible, and you find it fascinating and interesting. You're hearing what God says, but is anything changing in your life? Hear and ignore is an easier way to approach the Bible. You know why? I didn't say it was a better way, I said it was an easier way. You know why hear and ignore is, a, is an easier way to approach the Bible? Because obedience can be costly. Obedience can require something from you. Obedience may make you make a hard decision. Obedience may require that you give up something. Watch this. Obedience may cause you to have to walk away from a relationship. Obedience may cause you to have to lay down a habit. Hear and obey is the way to blessing. Hear and ignore is what we normally do on Sunday. 
And here's the reason. We have fooled ourselves into thinking. Sometimes your pastor included. We can fool ourselves into thinking that it's enough to just listen to the Bible being taught or read the Bible for ourselves or study the Bible or even agree with the Bible. We can fool ourselves into thinking that that's enough. But Jesus never promised that just listening to the Bible or just reading the Bible or studying the Bible or even agreeing with the Bible would change your life. Jesus said your life is blessed when you hear and obey. Now it's good to listen to the Bible. It's good to read the Bible. It's good to even memorize the Bible. It's certainly good to agree with the Bible. But that's not where life change happens. Life change happens when you take another step beyond hearing and you obey. Hear and ignore is not life change. Hear and obey is radical change. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This is a message that Jesus preached repeatedly. This is not the only time that Jesus had talked about hear and obey. Let me show this to you. We're going to stay in Luke, so it'll be easy to find. Go over to the left. Go to Luke chapter 6. Famous story that you're aware of. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He asks a question in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, or Master, Master? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice. Do you notice that? He hears and he puts it into practice. Hear and obey. He said, he's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when, when a flood came... The torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. In other words, it makes a difference in your life when you hear and obey. It makes a difference in your life. You handle life better when you're hearing from God and obeying God. It prepares you for what's ahead. Then he says in verse 49, But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and the destruction was complete. The problem was not that this person was not hearing the word. The person was hearing the word, but he or she wasn't doing anything with it. And so it wasn't preparing them for anything. They were not prepared for what's coming down the road because they're just hearing the word, but they're not obeying it. Go to Luke chapter 8. Jesus again preached a similar type message in Luke chapter 8, verse 19. Luke chapter 8, verse 19. Now Jesus' mothers and brothers came to see him, but they were not able uh, to get near him because of the crowd. And Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied... My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. See, again and again, he keeps preaching this message. Again and again, he keeps emphasizing, listen, the, the way that your life is 
different. It's going to be radically different. The way your life is going to be changed is when you don't just hear the Word of God, but you're obeying the Word of God. So I want to go back to Luke 11, verse 28, and I want you to look at this word, obey. The Bible is not simply to be admired. It is to be obeyed. And I want you to think about that word for a moment. Do you know what the word obey means? Here's what it means. I looked it up. It means to submit to the authority of someone else. Everybody look here up in the, up in the balcony on the lower floor. Everybody listen. Look, look up here. You know that's exactly where our problem is? Let me tell you again the definition in case you didn't catch it. The, the word obey means to submit to the authority of someone else. You see, it's, we don't mind listening to the Word of God. We don't mind somebody teaching or preaching the Word of God. We don't mind reading the Word of God. We don't mind even studying the Word of God so long as we don't have to respond to the Word of God. Watch, watch. If we respond to the Word of God, we may have to submit our authority to His authority. We may have to surrender our authority to His authority. It may require that we allow Him to be in charge instead of us. That's why, as a Christian, the Bible has to be your ultimate authority. As a Christian, and we're going to be talking about this the whole month, as a Christian, your Bible is your ultimate authority. Jesus said, here's the way your life will change. It's when you hear and obey. And the only way you're going to obey is when you recognize He is God. He is Lord. and You will surrender to what He's asking you to do. Does that make sense? Now, it really comes down to this issue. Why? Why? Why should we say that this is the ultimate authority? Why should we say, I'm going to surrender to what God says. I'm going to obey what God says. Not just read what God says, but obey what God says. Why should we do that? And here's the answer. It's in verse 28. Look what he says in verse 28. Blessed rather are those who, who hear the what? The Word of God. See, the Bible claims to be the very words of God. The Bible claims that every one of its pages is inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul said, All Scripture, every page of it, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Apostle Paul said, there's not a page in your Bible that's not God-inspired. There's not a page in your Bible that's not God-breathed. It is God's Word. Now, I know that that's really, for some of you perhaps, where the problem comes up, isn't it? Some people really struggle with this. They, they believe that the Bible is written by fallible men. And the question that they have is, how could fallible men write an infallible Word? The issue they struggle with is if it was written by fallible men, how can it be a word of God or the word of God? 
listen to me. We'll talk about that in detail in weeks two and three. But just, just hear this. Jesus, when He was on this earth, every time He used the Bible, He used it as the ultimate authority. Every time He referred to the Bible, He referred to it as the ultimate authority. You have heard it said, He said, but God says... He always pointed to the Word of God as the authority in life. Please don't miss that. You see, every time he spoke about the Bible, he believed that when the Bible spoke, God spoke. Here's the question for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when the Bible speaks, God speaks? And if you say you do believe that when the Bible speaks, God speaks, then the question is, are you, do, are you going to do more than just hear? Are you going to obey? Now, there's no place in the Bible that talks about obedience more than Psalm 119. I want you to turn there real quickly. Go over to the left to the Old Testament, Psalm 119. It's interesting, Psalm 119, in case you don't know, is the longest psalm in the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible, is about the Bible. That is, the whole psalm was written about the value of the Bible. There's 176 verses in Psalm 119, which makes it longer than 14 books of the Old Testament. It's longer than 17 books of the New Testament. So there's this real long psalm in the middle of the Bible written about the Bible. And the basic theme of that long psalm in the middle of the Bible is the practical value of the Bible for your life. It's interesting, again and again and again, the psalmist in Psalm 119 says basically this. Somebody get ready to say amen. Here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. He says, you'll never find any better advice than where you, than where you find right here in God's Bible. You'll never find better advice than the advice you find in the God's Bible. And so... He says, if that's true, if this is the best advice in the world, if this is God's Word, the psalmist says it again and again and again throughout Psalm 119, you ought to obey it. Let me show it to you. We don't have time to read all the verses, but let's just read a few of them and give you an example. Psalm 119, verse 4. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Look at verse 8. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Look at verse 17. Do good to your servant and I will live. I will obey your word. Verse 44. I will always obey your law. Forever and ever. Verse 56. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. I love that verse. I've got it marked in my Bible. In my study Bible, I put a good habit for all of us. This has been my practice. This has been my habit. This is what I, this has just kind of been the way that I do life, he says. It's been my practice. I obey your precepts. Verse 60, I will hasten 
and not delay to obey your commands. Oh, that's a big verse right there. I will hasten and not delay. Because sometimes when we decide, okay, God, I see what you're saying in the Word. I know what you're asking me to do. And I'm going to do that. Sometime. We delay. But can I tell you, there's no obedience until there's action. Anybody hear that? Intending to obey is not obedience. Planning to obey is not obedience. There's no obedience until there's action. If you're not moving toward what God tells you to do, if you're still sitting there saying, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, you're not obeying. God wants to help you. He wants to lead you. He wants you to bless you. But you have to obey Him in order to experience that blessing. The shortest distance between you and the life that you want is obedience to God. Well, I've run out of time. There's so much more I want to tell you. But heres I want to end with this. Here's the goal, really, of this message and the goal for the whole series is this. That you take your Bible and that you would say from your heart, not from your head, but you would say from your heart, this is the ultimate authority for my life. And I will do what God says. I mean, how would your life be different in 2019? If, if you were just simply to say, in, in, this, in this new year, this is the ultimate authority in my life. And I will do what God says. How would your life be different if you stopped here and ignore? Here and ignore? Here and ignore every Sunday? How would your life be different if you started here and obey? Here and and obey. Hear and obey. I believe it would change your life. I don't know. I don't know who you are today that, that you've come in and you're sitting there very uncomfortable because you know what God wants you to do. You've been wrestling with it for a while. You've been putting it off for a while. You know you don't need to be living together. You know you don't need to be in that relationship. You know you need to start tithing. You, you know that you need to lay down those magazines or that computer. You, you know, there's a, whatever it is, you've come in today and you know. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. And you intend to do the right thing sometime, someday. But delayed obedience is disobedience. Jesus said to a lady who was real excited to see him, Blessed is the woman who gave you birth. He said, I'll tell you something. You know who's really blessed? People who are really blessed are not those who are related to me. The people who are really blessed are those who hear God's word and obey it. That's when their lives will be changed. Let's pray about that. God, I just pray that for each of us, we would be able to say, myself included, this Bible is my authority in life. I will do what it says. I know every demon in hell would like to keep us from doing that. 
Satan would like to distract us and discourage us and convince us to hear and ignore. And I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, beginning right now, beginning right here, we might hear and obey. And I pray that in Jesus' name.